Aloha, everyone, and welcome to Just a Position, the podcast where we explore all sides of people you know and love by talking about vulnerability, mental health, and journeys. And I am here with a guest that I have been talking to for so long. We have talked about making a video together. We've talked about doing something together because she just inspires me so much. I think the content she creates is absolutely incredible. Molly Berg, hello. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hi, thank you. I feel like I'm having that moment. Like every time I meet followers in person, they're like, oh my God, I feel like I know you, but I don't. I'm having that <laughs> with you. Like, I feel like I know you because we've like texted, we've DM'd, mm-hmm. we've, I've watched your videos for years. I've been watching you, I want to say since before you hit 100K really? or just after you hit 100K. I'm like an OG. Oh my gosh, yeah. you are an OG. Thank you. So- <laughs> that is awesome. Thank you so much for like sticking around for the journey. That's really amazing. I didn't even realize that. I've been watching you for, I honestly don't even remember when I first started watching you but I think it was when I noticed you were collaborating with other creators and I really took notice when you collaborated with Charlie D'Amelio who like she I got to collaborate with her too she was super sweet um, and it was just it's been so awesome like watching your journey online kind of like talking about your personal story I, I got that right it was it was Charlie right or was it Dixie Yes. Okay, let's try. Okay, yeah. Um, And it's just been so cool to like watch your videos, watch your content just blossom. And I think the most incredible thing about it all is just the type of content you create, what you talk about, like spreading awareness about, you know, such important things is really, really needed, I think, in the online space. And so encouraging to see in kind of the social media space where sometimes the focus can be on a lot of things that are more trivial, more, you know, just kind of fun, whatever. It's cool to see you having like these really important conversations that I think, you know, are really, really necessary. So thank you so much for what you do. I I think you're awesome. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like sometimes social media can be like a little bit surface level. And I really, you know, as a disabled woman, I've faced so much ignorance in my lifetime. And I I really feel like the way to bridge gaps is by being vulnerable and having hard conversations. And social media is a great place to have those because you have access to people all over the world um, who you would never get to sit down and have a conversation with at the dinner table. Exactly, yeah. And I love that you said like vulnerable because that's an element of this podcast because I have learned over time that vulnerability is strength. And I feel like in the online world of social media, it is the perfect medium, just the perfect platform for people to really open up about what their personal journey has been, what their struggles have been in a way that I think really empowers and inspires others to, you know, not not feel alone, which is why it's been, you know, so important to me to like touch on that and explore my own vulnerability in my content. But you've really like taken that to the next level. And I want to get into like questions about your journey and like all this amazing stuff because I know you have so much cool stuff to share. But I first we have to talk about skincare just because I am really interested to know, given that you have been interested in skincare for so long, I want to know first off, what is your skincare horror story? Like what was something that you did to your skin that was just absolutely horrific and you regret? And what does your skincare routine look like now? Where are you at? Do you know what's so funny? I literally have like a chemical burner on my eyes right now oh, from really? something. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what I did. I'm like the worst. And I, I I feel like you probably sometimes do this too, even though we all know we shouldn't. I sometimes <laughs> will try a bunch of new products at the same time. Uh, yes. And then the victim. problem is I don't know what has caused the problem. And I'm like, damn, what did I do? <laughs> but I'd say like the biggest like horror story I have and um, some people might be like, that's not really skincare, but I know you'll feel me. It totally oh, no. is. Okay. 
a lack of sunscreen. Oh, I no. was, yes, <laughs> yes I know. I was um, a camp counselor growing up, like Not in true. high school. And so like all summer long as a teenager, I was out in the sun all day, every day. And like, I'm yep. busy, I'm working. You just forget to reapply sunscreen because it only lasts freaking like 90 minutes if you're lucky. <laughs> yes. And it's so annoying. I'm like, how is how is science not like progressed to I where know. we can have one that lasts six hours, I but know. it's fine. I'll just keep <laughs> caking it on. Um, so I'd be outside all summer long. And when I was like 16 or 17, at the end of the summer, I noticed, and I'm like very fair-skinned, you know, mm-hmm. I'm freckled, I'm fair-skinned, I'm Irish, mm-hmm. and I noticed that there was like this dry skin on the end of my nose mm-hmm. that would like peel off and then just re-peel. So like it was oh. never healing. Oh. And so I was like terrified. So I went to the dermatologist and like thankfully it ended up being nothing, oh, but um, that definitely was like a big scare for me and like, mm-hmm. No, I'm Enough very to passionate scare about you into sun skincare. safety. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Hey, sometimes it just takes that really traumatizing push into skincare for us to like learn the importance of it where we do something so bad to our skin that we're like, oh my gosh, okay, maybe I should start like actually caring about this. So I'm glad like you, I mean, I assume you're pretty religious about sunscreen now, I would hope. <laughs> oh, I'm religious about all skincare. Yes. I'm. I always joke with my friends. Like, I'm that girly. Like, I could come home a little shwasty from a night <laughs> out, and I am doing my full skincare routine. Yes. Like, there is not a damn chance I am going to bed with makeup on. There's not a damn chance I'm going to bed without my full skincare routine being done. It can be 3 a.m. in yes. the morning. I'm a little stumbly, and I'm doing my skincare. Oh, that is that is music to my ears. That makes me so happy because you know someone is serious about skincare care when even when they're fucked up and completely shit-faced they're still prioritizing it so now that we know that horror story tell me about your skincare routine now i really really am interested to know because i've seen your tiktok videos where it's up close to your skin and you have gorgeous gorgeous skin so give me the deets thank you um i again i'm like always trying new products Mm -hmm. i just like love trying new things i have like my OG tried and true favorites, like my makeup remover, I never change. It's the Pharmacy Green Clean, like oh, cleansing yeah. balm. Uh-huh. I'm like, that's just, I've literally used it for 10 years because I have such sensitive eyes uh, that gotcha. I like have to use something really gentle. So when I find something that does not burn my eyes, mm-hmm. I like stick to it. Yeah. Um, and the other one that I is like been tried and true for years is the Fresh Soy Face Cleanser. Oh yeah, that's a great one for like sensitive skin. Yes, that one for my eyes, because I can like literally put it on my eyes to remove makeup mm-hmm. and it does not burn my eyes. So oh, that's, awesome. that's a great one. Mm-hmm. Love that one. Um, I'm trying to think of some of my other like absolute favorites. There's um, the Fresh Umbrian Clay Face Mask I oh, like to use for spot okay. treatment. Yeah. Like I won't put it all over my face because no way too dry. Oh, no. yeah. But like <laughs> on spots, so good. I have like, I have combination to normal skin. Okay but I have dehydrated skin. Ah, gotcha. So I'm always trying to find the balance of like not dehydrating my skin further. Um, Well, I'm so glad you don't use the clay mask across the entirety of your face because I feel like clay masks have their time and place. They're cute. They're a good moment to like help get rid of any excess oil and help draw some impurities out of the skin. But unless you have insanely oily skin across your entire face, I'm like, just keep it to the areas where it's necessary 
and use it infrequently only when you need it. So uh, exactly. that makes me happy. I don't know how people could put it all over their face. Oh, like no. I would be like the Sahara Desert. Like, yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> Same. Well, that's awesome. I love to hear that like you utilize products that are really good for sensitive skin because that's a big focus on my channel is, you know, always making sure that my recommendations are accessible by people who do have, you know, sensitivities and irritation. Um, and I'm glad you've been able to find like your go-tos because it's the best feeling in the world when you find that product that like changes your life and you're like, I am sticking to this forever. Totally. I feel like <laughs> I've been trying I've been trying to get into retinol because I'm like mm -hmm. I'm 28. Your girl is not getting any younger. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I, I need I need to age in reverse. And um so I've been getting into retinol, but then because I'm I have dehydrated skin, ah. it's like this balance of like wanting to do anti-aging, but also not wanting to dehydrate my skin because yeah. that will age me. And so it's like, a, it's, a, it's a balance. I'm trying to find the balance. I need your help. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, hey, I am happy to like give you all the tips and tricks and everything that I've been able to learn that would hopefully be able to help. If you're looking for a good retinol, I do recommend the selfless one just because it is a more nourishing formula. Um, obviously I'm biased, <laughs> but it has like squalene in it to help like moisturize the skin and, and balance it. So I'll give you all the tips and tricks via DM, but I'm really for this, Thank you for sharing, first of all. I really am interested in kind of learning about your story. I was, you know, uh, before this, just reading about you. Um, I obviously was familiar with your content, but I was like, I want to learn your backstory. And it was really interesting as I was reading on your website that um, you talked about how you, you learned at four years old that you were going to be blind. And you decided that you were going to share your story to, to raise awareness. And it's been incredible to see, like, how the influence you've had and just how massive of a platform you've been able to share your story on. I was even reading that you've been able to speak at United Nations. You were able to speak alongside one of my biggest heroes, Malala. I like fangirled just reading that. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Like that it's it's incredible. Like what what has it been like having such a public voice from from such a young age? I to be honest, like I don't know any different, right? Like this is just kind of like the life that I that I was meant to have. And I'm a very spiritual person and I, I very much believe like our path is laid out for us and we're just here walking it. And, you know, I'm sometimes questioning what the hell this path is leading me to, mm -hmm. but I just trust in the process and I believe that it's, you know, leading me to a life of purpose. And I, you know, people always talk about how scared they are of public speaking. It's yeah. one of those things I hear all the time as somebody, before I did social media, I was a full-time public speaker. I would speak to mm -hmm. audiences as the largest, 20,000. Oh my so goodness, wow. That is something that for somebody who does not like speaking is like a very intimidating idea. Mm -hmm. And people are always like, how do you deal with like the fear of public speaking? And I'm like, to be honest, I've been public speaking since I was five. Mm -hmm. So I, I just don't think I learned to be scared. Yeah. I think a lot of fear is, is learned. And because I've been doing it from such a young age, I never learned to fear it. And in fact, for me, like it's where I feel the most alive. Yeah. It's where I feel the most myself. It, it like feels like a comfort zone for me. I feel at home. That's so cool. I love it. And I totally understand what you're saying. Cause like uh, in, in a similar way, but much smaller because I have never once spoken to an audience of 20,000, which is incredible by the way. Like, wow, that that's amazing. Um, I, I started, you know, performing, um, singing when I was five years old, um, and continued all the way up through childhood and did a lot of public speaking. And it, you never really, like you said, you never really learned to be scared of it because it's just such a natural part of, of, 
like what you do. And in a way, I think that's like really helpful because then you don't assign the fear to it that so many people, so many people have. But like, thank goodness it's not been something that you've been scared or nervous about or like ha have, you know, um, an overwhelming of anxiety amount to the point that you can't do it because we wouldn't have been able to, you know, like hear your story and your journey. And you definitely would not have been able to speak you know, on the platforms that you have, like, what is like your favorite experience from like speaking? Cause you've, I was reading through and I was like, oh my gosh, you have spoken at some major, major events and for some really, you know, power, powerful political figures and just amazing people. Um, what has been like your favorite venue or favorite event that you got to speak at? You know, speaking at the United Nations was like a really obviously incredible opportunity. Like yeah. there's just nothing can really compare. And um, I've been able to speak at the World Economic Forum mm -hmm. in Davos, Switzerland. And like, that's obviously also like, you're just in this room surrounded by some of the world's most important people. Mm -hmm. And you're very much like, why am I here? <laughs> I, I like live with imposter syndrome every single day. I'm like, um, someday everybody's gonna wake up and be like, how did Molly get here? <laughs> yes. um, and I'm gonna be like, I wonder too, don't worry, I'm with you. Um, but no, you deserve to it. be honest, like for me, oh, thank you. Um, for me, it really is like, it's not about the venue. Mm -hmm. It's not about um, the people I'm speaking with. Mm -hmm. It's about the, the people I'm speaking to. And those people that. can be in a room of 20,000 or they can be in a room of 20. Mm -hmm. It's just about finding that one person who needed to hear what I had to say. Yes. And that's how I go into every single presentation I do, no matter who the audience is or how big it is. It's just reminding myself that I'm not speaking to 20 or 20,000 people. I'm speaking to one person who needs to hear this today. Yes. Oh, I absolutely love that. I love that perspective. And I think, you know, I, I feel in a similar but, you know, a smaller way. But like you were saying, it doesn't matter the size. Um, that's also the power of social media, too. Like, um, I've been able to talk about my personal experience with my mental health journey online. And, you know, in the, in the nervousness and kind of like, you know, uncomfortableness of, uh, uh, being vulnerable about, you know, some of your darkest moments. At the end of the day, for me, I'm just like, I'm making this for that one person who needs to hear it. Because if it can change one person's perspective, if it can help them out, if it can, you know, um, give them one more day to keep going, then that's really all that matters. And I think that's such a good focus to have because it's so easy to get caught up in the fanfare and the, the you know, wow factor of, you know, people and uh, platforms and audiences and all this stuff. But I feel like by focusing on that, you lose the, the most important focus of just trying to make change even just within one person. I, I love that you have that perspective. It's, it's so mature. Absolutely. And, and that's why I actually don't look at my own numbers, which sounds like wild that. to people because in our industry, of course, like numbers mm -hmm. are ultimately important. Mm -hmm. Right. But um, I don't look. I couldn't tell you how many views my videos get. I couldn't tell you how many likes my content gets. I can't tell you how many specific followers I have on each platform. I know like a vague idea. Like mm -hmm. I know I generally have like around four million across platform, mm -hmm. but I can't tell you like how that's divided. I don't, I don't look. And I haven't for probably four years now. That is awesome. Um, because I think when you're growing, it's so exciting but you can lose sight of why you're doing it, oh, absolutely, right? Yep. Um, your your purpose can shift from mm -hmm. from the the reason you began to kind of some like newer, less important reasons. Yeah. Um, and so I never wanted the content I made to be swayed by what was getting views and what wasn't, or what was getting yep. likes and what wasn't. I wanted my content to always be what I believed was important 
and what I wanted to express and share. And I knew that if I did look at the numbers, then potentially what I created could change. Yeah. And the reason I was creating it could change. And also like my mental health honestly probably mm. couldn't take it because <laughs> the climb is great, but like eventually there's a peak, right? Or or there's peaks and valleys. Yeah. Like you you have a, spirit, a period of growth and then things drop off a bit and then yeah. eventually you grow a bit more again and it, it peters off and you peak and you know, and it's just like, I never wanted to, to go through the emotional highs and lows that can come with those peaks and valleys of, of growth. Yes, and that is so rare in the industry. That's really encouraging to hear. I think that's awesome because uh, even for me and my personal growth, I saw the fixation with numbers, which, you know, not to demonize anyone who does that because, uh, you know, when you're being financially supported by, you know, people viewing your videos, it's kind of natural to want to track that performance and understand, like, how you can continue to support yourself and feel that stress and anxiety from that. But I know for me, like, I'm so grateful, even in just my content journey, I was able to do it for so long and get like no views because for the first like year and a half that I created content, I think I got like a thousand followers. And I'm so glad I did that because it made me just fall in love with the process of creating videos. And I was always like, I never want to become fixated with the numbers because then my sense of purpose, my sense of value, and the reason why I'm creating this content will reside in the, the fluctuation of, of the numbers and it feels amazing when you're growing and you know you're you're getting views and getting followers but then that also means when that stops or when you you know it starts to like you say go through the natural hills and valleys that it does your sense of self your you know co own confidence your purpose will fluctuate along with that and I think that's really cool I, I love that you're doing that and I hope hopefully it's a sign to other creators or just people out there who want to create content that like you don't have to be so focused on on the numbers and everything you just got to stay focused on the purpose and the reason why you're doing what you're doing you know that the message and I, yes absolutely and I've, I've come to realize that at the end of the day like the brands will come to you if you're adding value mm -hmm. Yep. And that value doesn't just come in numbers. Mm -hmm. Like that value isn't just in your reach. Yeah. Right. If you if you are bringing deeper value to the world with what you create and what you're doing, brands will still want to come to you. Brands will still want to work with you. And I'm so glad that you're sharing that like you got like a thousand followers in the first year or two years of creating because I was the same. Oh, really? It took me two two years of posting twice a week on YouTube to hit 5,000 followers. Wow, okay. And I think we hear a lot of these stories of people who just blow up overnight. Mm -hmm. But that isn't, that isn't like the common narrative. Oh, like no. I, with TikTok, it has become more so. Yeah. Like for sure, there are people who can grow very fast on TikTok, but like, I think people look at you and I who have a lot of followers and they think that we just hit a jackpot because that <laughs> yes. they found us when we had all these yes. followers. And it's like, no, we actually did this for years with no money being yeah. made, no sponsorships, no followers, no fans. Yep. We did this because we loved it and we were consistent. And I hear all the time people being like, oh, I started a YouTube channel, but like I just wasn't growing, so I stopped. And I'm like, <laughs> If I had stopped when I wasn't growing, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. Yeah, exactly. I never would have made it. And honestly, I think it's such a fortunate thing that both you and I were able to go for so long 
not getting any followers. Like I'm so grateful for it because it allowed me to just fall in love with the journey and the process of making videos and making content and figuring out how to make an impact and a difference just because I wanted to. Like I would never have continued totally. and I don't think you would have either. I'm guessing never would have continued creating content had it just been for the followers, for the views, for all of that, because you, you have to love it so much to the point that you're a little like, you know, weird for it, like to where people yes. are like, why are you still posting? Why are you still filming? You know, like it's, you're not really seeing anything from it. And it's solely just, just because of that. So like, thank you for sharing that. I think that's super cool. And like with the difference you've been able to make, I think you've had such a valuable voice in, you know, the social media space. And, and with that, I think a lot of conversation has, you know, um, started up about, you know, disabilities and specifically with you, um, you know, being blind and more awareness around that. But I think, you know, with social media, there's obviously so many discussions happening and so many perspectives. And I would love to hear from you, like what you think, you know, when it comes to disabled individuals and specifically the blind community, what changes you think need to be made? Um, what shifts or adjustments need to be had when it comes to awareness and just the conversation around it? Like, wh what do you really think needs to change? Because I think anyone who knows you will know your personal experience and a lot of your personal perspectives, but I feel like there's still so much work that needs to be done and we still have such a long way to go and I'd love to hear from you w what direction you think we should go. Totally, we've come a long way, but of course there's still a long way to go. And mm -hmm. I'm really about celebrating the baby steps yeah. um, because every step towards progress matters, but that doesn't mean I'm gonna stop voicing my opinion for the things that, that we still have to change and the progress we still need to make. And yeah. I never expect for creators or companies to like get it right the first time. Mm -hmm. Rome wasn't built in a day. You yep. don't suddenly do everything right when it comes to accessibility, diversity, inclusion of disabled people, representation. You're not gonna get it right the first few tries, but it's about growing and learning and celebrating that you've even tried. Mm -hmm. And then saying, okay, now how can we improve from here? Um, I love that. So when it comes to both brands and creators, like creating content with accessibility in mind, of course, captioning all of your content mm -hmm. is super important. And for a platform like YouTube, that doesn't just mean using the automated generated yeah. captions, it's using captioning services mm -hmm. so that you're getting really, really accurate captions. Um, and obviously that doesn't affect me as a blind person, but I care about accessibility for all disabilities. Absolutely, so yeah. um, that's still something I like to raise awareness for. I love that. Um, yeah. And then when it comes to helping those of us who are blind or visually impaired enjoy content, always using alt text, which mm, is available yes. on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I think LinkedIn has it. And that is where you're including the audio um, description of the photo mm -hmm. so that those of us, you know, scrolling the feed can still understand what's happening in the photo, even though we can't see it. Yes. Um, making sure um, that you're not just the, okay, so you'll see this a lot in the skincare world okay. or the beauty world on like, say TikTok, people will be like, here are five products not worth the hype. And then they'll show a picture and be like, this product is blah, 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 blah. Yes. And like never say what the product is. <laughs> yes, and I'm like, that's such a good point. What's the damn product? What's the damn product? Yes. It, didn't take, it would not take you any more time to be like, you know, the Ole Henderson. Like it would not take you any more time to say yes. the brand name and the product name. 
I thank you for like bringing that up. I think I like honestly, you know, and and this is where you know we I think as viewers and just individuals who who aren't a part of these communities just really need to put in the effort to like become more aware about this stuff because uh, like even for me I only recently learned about alt text which I've started adding to my post which I think is is really important a few years ago I learned about captioning which now I pay for captioning services for all my YouTube videos um, and even with TikTok you know once they started offering the you know custom captioning feature utilizing that um, I think it's you know important that we kind of <laughs> you know step outside of our own unique individual worldview experience and consider who else may be watching. Because even just showing a product, you know, that's something I hadn't even thought of, but something that is very important. And even with, um, you know, like TikTok, for example, and I'd be curious to get your views on this. I know they started doing like auto captioning recently for like a lot of TikTok videos. I still customize them to make sure that they're right because sometimes it can be completely, completely off from the content that's actually being posted to where it's like, what is it even saying? But, but yeah, I think like, do you, do you think for a lot of these platforms that the necessary like parameters and structures are in place in order to be more accessible and people just aren't using them to their full potential? Or do you think it's a balance that companies still have a long way to go? Like, you know, social media websites in terms of making social media content more accessible. What, what is kind of your perspective on that? They've definitely come a long way. There's always more to be done, like mm -hmm. I said. Um, but I think it's it's not only up to the platforms, it really is up to the creators to, to know that the tools exist, to choose to use the tools to the fullest of their extent and, and to create beyond those tools. Like create with accessibility in mind beyond those tools. There's no amount of tools that they could build in that will stop a creator from saying this product instead of saying the Kate Somerville exfoliate. Exactly. Like, exactly. Right? And so it's, it's about like being aware. And another thing that I wanna mention as well for those of us who are screen reader users, using mm -hmm. camel case hashtags is really important. Oh, okay. And okay. so a camel case hashtag means if it's a multi-word hashtag, using a capital letter for the first letter of each word. So what that's okay. gonna do is my screen reader will now read that as hashtag learn something, instead yes. of hashtag blah, 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 blah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> because when it's point. all lowercase, it reads it as just one word. Mm -hmm. And so when it's like a two or three or four word hashtag, it can't individualize those words. And that's yeah. not only good for screen reader users like myself, but also people who have language processing disorders, dyslexia, the more the, the words are created a separation with the capital letters, it's visually easier for anybody who, who struggles with learning and reading, but it also is better for screen readers as well. Oh. Thank you for bringing that up and calling that out. I think that's such a good point as well. You know, something that I wasn't aware of. And any viewers who are out there watching, like I think one thing that can be done, because even for me, I wasn't um, captioning my videos for a while because I was just relying on the auto captioning services that YouTube provided. And then I had followers who called me out in my comment section and were like, um, you need to make your content more accessible. You should be captioning your videos. And I was like, I didn't even think about that. I wasn't even aware. And from then on, I was able to start captioning. So like any, content like it's not even just creators i think viewers you know you guys can have a big impact too and like comment on your favorite creators posts like um yes. you know call them out you know um let them know what ways me included you know like uh let them know what ways their content can be more accessible um because ignorance may be bliss to the individual who's making the content but it's not bliss to the people who you know don't have 
accessibility to watch these types of content or anything. So as a viewer, Absolutely. feel free to call, call people out and let us know how we can improve, you know, our content exactly like we don't know un until people tell us sometimes yep. and that's okay like there's a way to call people out that's kind yes. right there's a way yep. to call people out that's friendly and kind and polite mm -hmm. you don't need to be mean to people mm -hmm. to make them aware yep. um, and a lot of times people aren't doing things maliciously people mm -hmm. aren't not making their content accessible to be malicious yep. they're doing it because they don't know mm -hmm. and that's okay and you know that's why i make the content i do and other disabled creators make the content we do because we we know that there's a gap in society when it mm -hmm. comes to education and representation of disability and um hiram i'd love to have a conversation with you about like how you can make your skincare line more accessible oh my gosh um, yes please that would you be know amazing. the packaging design you know like okay. i i love your face wash and i love the moisturizer mm -hmm. um but all of the serums feel the same, so I can't tell yes. them apart. Yes, that's and such a so good point. I'd love to talk about like just how you could tweak your packaging design to be more accessible. And given that you are like such a huge face in the world of skincare and have such connection to so many different brands, I think you could be a real leader in this space because we need more brands designing with accessibility in mind mm -hmm. to inspire other brands to do it as well. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Thank you so much for offering that. Like I seriously would like love to like hire you as a consultant, <laughs> like short-term consultant or whatever, whatever is fair to you um, in, in order to, you know, figure out ways that I can make the packaging more, you know, accessible. Because again, something I don't even think of, but is completely relevant to people who are in that space. So thank you. Like, f please call me out in every way I need to be. Let's. I'm totally down to have a conversation. Actually, you guys, we're going to be together next week at VidCon because yes. we're both creators and I'm so excited to see you in person and we're going to be creating some content together. So that's even a conversation I would love to have there. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Like, I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I think overall... You know, as long as we're, you know, for me personally, I want to just commit to learning as much as I possibly can. And that's been one amazing thing about specifically TikTok. Honestly, I am able to follow so many disabled creators on TikTok who have helped me learn so much about what needs to be done. Um, but at the same time, like with with a lot of the creators, it's it seems just exhausting because it's this cycle of just having to highlight the ways in which society and people are making life so difficult for people in these communities and and that's one thing i wanted to ask you like within this space i feel like it can become really mentally exhausting and draining constantly having to you know uh, essentially be be an activist for for the ways in which society needs to do better and i feel like you're kind of faced with a lot of the ways that society is really just fucking up you know and so it does that ever like take a toll on you how how has your mental health been throughout you know this journey of like talking about these issues and do you ever feel like you know kind of like you want to give up you know i um i was the first like blind creator to you know really blow up on social media mm -hmm. and i'm I felt really alone, you know, mm -hmm. like you'd think it'd be like, oh my God, I, I did it. But instead I was like, oh my God, why aren't more people here with me? Mm -hmm. Like I, I never wanted to like be the representation of blindness. Yes. I can't bear that weight. Yep. I am one blind person with one blind experience. I can't represent a community. Mm -hmm. And so I felt really lonely and it's been so great because TikTok truly has been the platform that has allowed so many yes. blind people and so many disabled people to to have their blow up, to have mm -hmm. their moment. And I'm 
I'm so grateful and I'm so happy to feel so much less alone mm-hmm. um, in creating this content. And on, honestly, yes, it can be exhausting to constantly feel like I have to educate and like open some of these wounds and share them. But it's just as exhausting living in a world that's not made for me. Yep. And at the end of the day, I can be exhausted every day living in a world that's not made for me and feel discouraged. Or I can be exhausted educating people to help make the world be a space made for everybody. And I'd rather do that because it's way more empowering. Yeah. I'm not a victim to the situation. I'm empowering myself to be a part of creating that change, even if just in one small way. And as I said earlier, I'm through my journey, I've, I've had to tap into spirituality and, mm-hmm. and find some kind of thing to believe in and hold on to. And, mm-hmm. um, for me, that's just this belief that like, I am who I am because I was meant to be this person and this is the journey I was meant to walk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all journeys with purpose have pain Mm -hmm. and that's where our purpose comes from often. And so for me, I don't believe it's an accident that I was given the specific talents that I was given, the specific passions I was given and the specific challenges I was given. Mm -hmm. I believe I was given all of those things because whatever, whatever higher power is out there believed that I could combine all of those things to help create change. And so, you know, either way, I'm going to be exhausted. Being disabled in an able-bodied world is exhausting. Mm-hmm. And so I can choose to to cry about it or I can choose to make the most of it. And I choose mm-hmm. to make the most of it. And that that is strength. I mean, you using that as an opportunity to not, to, to advocate for the people around you and in your specific community, but just to make a bigger change is is so admirable like it's seriously amazing and I, I applaud you so much for that because it's it's not easy you know it's it's the the easy route would would I feel like to be it would be to be negative would be to you know have a pessimistic you know viewpoint or to, to feel like nothing you do matters but you clearly and as the world has seen have made such a huge difference and I can't wait to see what you know continued difference you're going to make in the future I I, I think it's it's incredible uh, I want to ask one question and I I didn't send you this in the list of questions before so let me know if like this is this is uh, not something you're comfortable you know answering but um, you know in coming across your content and you know first discovering who you were it was I noticed like a lot of collaborations with other creators and a lot of you know um, in the ways that you were featured on other people's channels or on other platforms um, was uh, somewhat you know highlighting you as quote unquote, you know, the blind girl, um, like in a lot of titles mm-hmm. and, you know, um, in content and thumbnails. And that was kind of the archetype that was created, you know, um, surrounding you. And I, I'm really genuinely interested to know, like, was that something that you created and you were really proud to own and you wanted to just really stand out? Because you talked about feeling like very lonely being the only person to really represent this space on social media. And, I, and throughout the content, I noticed that that was like, you know, for, for lack of a better term, almost the way that you as a person were, were branded. And it can be so isolating and lonely to be the only person that is recognized for that one thing. Was that a struggle in, in the content you were creating and in the way that you were, you know, featured across other channels and with other people? Or did you purposefully do that in order to really 
you know, uh, make a loud difference and really be disruptive within the space? You know what? I'm a girl who is blind. I'm a blind girl. Like either way you slice it, mm-hmm. it is who I am. Mm-hmm. It is, it is a core part of my being mm-hmm. and I'm proud of it. Awesome. I am proud of it. You know, like I have taken a major life challenge and I've made the most of it mm-hmm. and I own it and I'm not ashamed to be disabled. There is no shame mm-hmm. in disability. Yes. And so for me, like you're a gay man, you're a man who is gay. Mm-hmm. Like, does it matter either way? No. Yeah. Like both of those things are true. And either way, it's a part of what makes you the incredible person you are. Yes. Like it doesn't. So to me, like people would get more offended for me that I was being called a blind girl than I got offended for myself. I'm like, no, I'm not ashamed to be the blind girl. I am damn proud to be the blind girl who's out here and who's making a difference. And although it felt lonely and although I felt guilt at times that I was like somehow the girl who made it, Mm -hmm. the, the first blind person who really made it big on social media, I felt this guilt, like why me? You know, I'm still very proud of that. And, um, Though I didn't want to be alone in it, and I'm so happy there's so many others who have made it now too with me, um, I'm still proud to have done it because there wasn't a space for us. Mm-hmm. We weren't being seen. We weren't being recognized on social media or in mainstream media. Mm-hmm. And it was about damn time, yes. you know? And so to me, if if I've got to get my foot in the door by using that little clickbait, being the blind girl, <laughs> yes. then I'm going to get my damn foot in the door exactly. because you know what? Yes. Well, I can't, I can't make change. My mm-hmm. story won't be heard if I don't get my foot in the door. Yes. And if that's how I do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to use whatever I can, whatever tool is at my disposal to get there and be in that conversation because yep. that's how I can make the change. Exactly. And I think it's such the way that you did it was really admirable because I think in you know for so many minority communities whether whether it's the LGBTQ community disabled community um, you know um, black community whoever it's been in order to be noticed by mainstream society by the majority it sometimes takes those moments of just being completely disruptive, being controversial, being in order to be noticed so that the majority can recognize that there's a problem, that there's a lack of inclusion, that you know not enough is happening. And I think the way that you did that was was really I think I think it was so impactful in so many ways because now not only people were are able to recognize you um, as, as someone who you know who is blind and who is taking ownership of that and proud of that and celebrating that but it completely opened the way for an entire community to, community to now exist online which which I think is so cool so that was just something I was curious about because kind of like you said, how people got more offended for you than you did and obviously wanting to be respectful (laughs) and wanting to be, you know, uh, contributing to and following your lead with whatever you say, you know, representing your own personal experience. I think think it's great that you were able to utilize that as a tool for strength and to share your story with with so many people. It's, It's awesome. Thank you. I think there's like this big conversation about like disability first language versus person Mm -hmm. first language. And I'm very pro disability first language Mm -hmm. um, because I really like if you look at any other community, like nobody uses like person first language. Mm -hmm. Like language is just to put the the descriptor first. Like that is how we do it. And I think like to me, person first language is actually more ableist. Like. Mm Person-first language is used by able-bodied people who are uncomfortable with disability. Mm -hmm. 
and by disabled people who have been taught to be uncomfortable with their disability mm -hmm. and have not been you know welcomed into into the empowered disability community because it's like there's all these things so it's like person first language if you have to be reminded that i'm a person before i'm blind there's a bigger problem mm -hmm. here you oh, know what i so mean yeah. like good way of putting it it's yeah. it's it's kind of like ridiculous like do you say like my son who is the oldest yes no you say my yes. oldest son like let's cut to the chase here like <laughs> yeah. a man who is black a black man yes like you just like this is this is just how language is mm -hmm. And so for me, it's like, it's, it's again, it's like these things like differently abled. It's like disability is not a dirty word. Yes. And if you think it is, that's a you problem. Yep. And that actually speaks volumes about how you view disability. Yep. Thank you for touching on that because that's a lesson I've had to learn. And I know a, lo a lot of people have, have had to learn as well. Someone who was in my life who was really close, um, you know, was disabled. And the way that the person was addressed and referred to was was always in a way that reflected the negative viewpoints that people had of disabled people. And I had to learn like how to get out of that mindset and how to, you know, recognize, you know, disability first and that it's something that is a part of someone and who they are and something that should be celebrated and not something that should be looked down upon or stigmatized or, or anything like that. And I think, th like, thank you for touching on that because I think that's a really important conversation that needs to be had. And anyone who's watching, I highly encourage you to go, you know, seek out disabled creators and see what they've said about it because especially on TikTok, there's so many valuable viewpoints about you know, um, disability first language and, and what people think about that. And I think as, you know, people not a part of that community, we have a responsibility to, I mean, it's, it's, it's literally the most basic possible thing just for how we refer to disabled people. We have a responsibility to learn how to, you know, speak appropriately and behavior appropriately when it comes to those conversations. <laughs> Where you are now and the impact that you've been able to have, um, you know, uh, in the disabled community as well as, you know, in, in communities far beyond that and just the reach that you've had, where do you want to go? Like, wh what are your goals for the future? What impact do you want to have? Because you are so young. Um, I know you said that you're in your late 20s, but you're so young. <laughs> like, you are have already done so much with your life and you are a, a person who I think is just going to continue changing the world in so many ways. And selfishly, I'm like, I want to know what's in the plans like like what do you want to do it's so funny sometimes I I feel like I've lived 50 years in my 28 mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um, but for both the good and the bad I've, I've been through a lot um, of negative things and I've had so many blessings mm -hmm. and um, sometimes I get exhausted thinking about what the future might hold for me mm -hmm. but I'm also excited and I'm one of those people like I really believe sky's the limit. Dream big, because the worst thing that can happen is it doesn't happen and you're mm -hmm. no worse off. And so for me, when I get asked like, what's next for you? I'm like, I take it day by day. I live in yep. the moment because your girl has too much anxiety to look to the future too much. <laughs> yes, um, I feel that. <laughs> and so I just live in the moment and I, I have all of these dreams and aspirations and things I'd love to accomplish. And I know I won't probably accomplish even half of them in my mm -hmm. lifetime, but if I do, I'll be, so grateful because there's so much that needs to be done still mm -hmm. um, for the disability community in this world. Mm -hmm. And and I know I'm not gonna see it all come to fruition mm -hmm. um, before my time is up here, but if I can contribute in any way to to moving the needle, I wanna do that in every and all ways possible. So yeah. 
I'm just as excited as you are to see what's <laughs> next for me. And I hope it's something good because I kind of need a break. 2022 has been a bit of a challenging oh. year. Oh God's gosh. really like Tell reminding me, me of challenge. <laughs> like he's like, it's been a little too long since I've given you some trauma. So I'm going to step <laughs> yes, right in and wave exactly. the wand. And I'm like ready for him to be done. I'm like, okay, God, I got the message. Um, yes. I've got more work to do. I know. Like you're a little too happy. Let's let's spice up your life a little bit. It has been the exact same for me. Like coming into 2022, I remember just talking to everyone around me and being like, you guys, it has this year been the shittiest worst mental health, terrible year already. And it's already the beginning of 22. Like what is happening? Man, this year has felt like so freaking difficult. But I mean, hey, you know, I'm a firm believer in that challenges make us such stronger people. And if we did, if we weren't faced with challenges, we would be stagnant and we wouldn't grow and we wouldn't develop as individuals. Absolutely. At the end of the day, like growth is the goal, right? Yeah. Like that's the goal of life. And like perfection is boring. When you hit perfect, you're done. There's nothing more for you. Like I always want to be growing. And as much as I'm sad that you've also had a challenging year, I'm grateful to feel like I'm not alone in it. (laughs) Yes. No, you are. Maybe it's not not just me. Maybe it's the world. (laughs) No, it's it definitely is. And like you said, it's 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 not even, you know, about being perfect. It's just about being able to develop into a better person and continually being committed to like wanting to improve yourself. That's why like I always try. Um, I, I don't know if you've read the book. Um, I really recommend the, the book to anyone who's watching. Um, it's called The The Object is the Way. Wait, The Object is the Way? I think it's called The Object is the Way. It's been years since I've read it, but it highlights all of the biggest, most impactful people, you know, throughout history, whether it's, you know, Nelson Mandela or, um, you know, Marie Curie or all these people. And it highlights all the insane challenges that they were presented with and their perspective and how they got through it. And it shows how, you know, if you just change the way that you look at challenges and obstacles, the obstacles way, sorry, that's what it's called. The obstacles way. If you just change the way that you look at it and see it as an opportunity for growth and as a positive thing, it's literally the the initial opening door to just a, the future of, of incredible accomplishments and incredible meaning. And I think what you've been able to do so far has been really, really amazing and mind blowing. And I really respect it. And I think, you know, I'm personally excited to see what you're going to do in the future and all the change that you're going to make because hell, you're already so young. I can only imagine 20 years from now, the impact that you're going to have. But I also like what you said, taking it day by day. I will admit, I used to be this person that was constantly like, what's my five-year goal? What's my 10-year goal? What's my, you know, 30-day goal? And like constantly writing them down and constantly committing to them and everything. And I realized that like my life, not only did I not accomplish as much, but my life had just had so much less meaning when I was obsessing constantly over like getting somewhere and meeting a certain goal. And when I just took it day by day and I found joy in the journey, that my life just had so much more meaning and I was able to do so much of more of what I wanted to do in my life than being hyper fixated on like, I need to get here. I need to get to this point, yes. goal this, goal that, you know? Exactly. I, I like, I have lots of goals in life, but none of them have a timeline, yes. you know, like there are things I want to accomplish, but I don't care when I accomplish them by. And I think I love, I definitely want to read that book and I've totally heard of it yeah, before. And it's so I've read a lot of self-help books and lots of different forms of therapy. I'm literally right after this call, like jumping onto therapy because oh, yes. I think therapy awesome. is so important. And yep. like, I think our minds are so powerful. And as much as people don't want to admit it, happiness is a choice. Yep. And yep. I say that as somebody with mental illness, I get mm-hmm. it. I'm not coming from a privileged place of being like super mentally healthy. So I can be like, mm-hmm. happiness is a choice. No, like, 
when people ask me, how are you such a positive person? I choose to be, and I work damn hard to be. Mm -hmm. And every single day I train my brain and I work on it. And look, you want to be fit, you work out. You want to be happy, work on it. You've mm -hmm. got to work on your brain's health. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot that goes into that, but really like happiness is a choice and you choose to look at the challenges in your life and let them break you or let them build you. And I'm yes. going to let them build me. Exactly. Exactly. With therapy, of course, that's what I always say. I'm just like having to yes, such a choice lots of help with therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely lots of help. But yes, absolutely. You got to put yourself in positions where you have opportunities to find that meaning, to find purpose. And it's not easy. And it is not, like you said, the privileged perspective of like, oh, just be happy, like focus on the positive you know sort of thing it takes a lot of damn hard work and dedication and it, a lot of times it feels more difficult than it is easy but when you work on it and when you are putting yourself in those positions to be able to have that mindset of happiness it, it can really pay off and so thank you for sharing that uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast this literally means the world and i'm so excited to like share your story with any of my you know viewers who who aren't you know familiar with you yet but i'm sure that everyone knows who you are so i'm sure that's not the case i thank you so much for coming on you guys please go subscribe to molly's channel um she makes amazing content make sure you go follow her on tiktok as well um thank you just yeah thank you for coming on i really really appreciate it Thank you. I'm so glad we could have this chat and I can't wait to see you in a few days and make more content together. It's yes. going to be so fun. I'm so stoked. I will see you in a few days at VidCon. And thank you for everyone who's watching. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Just Position on all platforms where you can stream, Apple, Spotify, Odyssey, and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. New episodes every Thursday. This has been a production of Ramble at Cadence 13 Studio. Thank you guys.